Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's Tracy Johnson. So great to be with you on this Thursday afternoon, 208. I'm Tracy Johnson in for Jeff Wagner until 3 o'clock today. And then back tomorrow, I think. Should be good. And then Jeff will be back on Monday. But right now we are joined in studio by Heather Poland-Birkin. And she's a woman that I met kind of through the small walkie connection. She is a nurse with the Milwaukee VA in Columbia St. Mary's. And she traveled recently to Israel to help with humanitarian effort. And I just have to say how we met. All right. I was at work and I was talking with a colleague about uh, this story where there was a nurse that was traveling to Israel. And my colleague said, that's my cousin. And I said, I want to talk to her. She sounds fascinating. I want to see what this is all about. So, Heather, thanks for being here. And tell us a little bit about your role as a VA nurse and then what motivated you to go to Israel. Well, I've been an ER nurse for 22 years. I started at Aurora Sinai, and now I've landed at the VA for the last 10 years. And uh, when the war broke out on October 7th, it was really difficult to watch the news from home. And there were so many casualties and so many injured that I figured my skills that I had as an ER nurse might be useful, and I was able to get the time off from work, so I went uh, for just short of three weeks. So you just packed up your bags and said, I need to go. Yep, I did. I tried to collect some supplies before I left for things that I thought might be needed. I had some connections for people who are already in Israel and trying to help. So people were really generous in wanting to you know, help provide supplies. So I knew I was showing up with some like tourniquets, some trauma type dressings and looking to find a job or just a volunteer opportunity to help out. So you went there without a real place to go when you landed? Uh, Yeah, I really didn't. I had some leads on some hospitals that I was going to try to work in. I have some basic conversational Hebrew, but I didn't have medical fluency, but I felt that I would still be able to offer something. So I went without a real plan, but felt pretty confident that I would find some way to be helpful. So you went over there with the general expectation that you would be providing healthcare services right. as a nurse. And what did you see when you got there? What was the scene? Paint a picture for us. Well, when I got there, I still wasn't quite sure what I would be doing. I ended up on my layover on my way to Tel Aviv. Uh, I was in Paris, and I found, I just searching through social media, a group of docs that was coming from the U.S. So I reached out to their group, and I was able to join them. So we all met up in Jerusalem, and it was a group of probably 40 of us, some paramedics, mostly physicians, a lot of surgeons, and about two or three nurses. And... um We did go initially and tour a hospital and and sort of meet and greet the staff that was in Ashkelon, which is pretty close, which is where on October 7th, all the casualties pretty much ended up going. This is the hospital closest to the Gaza Strip. So my plan had been hopefully to work at this hospital. Uh, What we did end up doing with this group is we, we luckily partnered with the Army and they gave us some training And then ultimately what they did have us do was not what I expected, which was, I mean, I think I could use the word they embedded us and their bases. And, you know, we were there to kind of help assist with training 
and if there was a medical need to participate in that way. So were you scared or were you just going in saying, this is my calling, this is what I need to do to take care of the people? No, I I really wasn't scared. I think people were scared for me. I mean, when I've traveled to Israel in the past, people think I'm going to a war zone when they're not at war. And so now it was a war zone. And I think, you know, people, you know, picture me in a helmet and a flak jacket, you know, dodging missiles. And it really it really wasn't like that. I think in the beginning, I had to get used to hearing sirens because there would be red alerts every time a missile is launched from Gaza, which was pretty frequent. And uh, there was an app and you could everyone needed to have on their phone. So if there was a missile in your direction, your phone would alert. Uh, and if you were close to a bomb shelter, depending on where you were in the country, you had 15 to 90 seconds to get into a shelter. Um, and there are so many shelters. I mean, every building, every any new construction in Israel has to have a shelter. Um, there's shelters in public places. And everyone's sort of used to the drill. So I think after my first day, where I was a little bit nervous about when I was going to hear it, was it going to work? And after I had one or two red alerts, I it just started to become routine. And you don't don't ignore those alerts, obviously. But no, I would think that in the past, people, some people would hear it and they go, oh, "Okay, nothing's really going to happen here." But is every single alert? taken seriously, whether you were there in the past or this time? Yeah, I think it is. I think um, luckily Israel has the Iron Dome and the Iron Dome intercepts probably over 90% of the missiles that are launched. Um, sometimes if they're going to hit a field, they, it, you know, they don't use an Iron Dome missile uh, to intercept it. If it's just going to fall somewhere where it won't cause damage. Um, other times there are incidents where they do miss it. And so you have to take everyone seriously. And even when the Iron Dome does connect and causes an interception, you still have shrapnel. So the shrapnel can injure people. The shrapnel starts fires. So, you know, I think some people get a little bit of like siren fatigue and might not beeline it for a shelter. But I would say for the most part, I mean, I was on the highway. I had my first highway red alert where you're nervous because you don't want to have, get into an accident if you slam on the brakes or pull over quickly. A lot of that was happening, people running across the street and getting hit by a car. So when I had my first one on the highway, you know, there were a lot of like firsts. So that one, I was a little bit nervous to have to pull over and try to find, I mean, there was no bomb shelter. Yeah. So I just, I saw two young girls and, uh, you know, in a crisis, I don't even try to speak Hebrew because I'm too nervous. Yeah. And so I, you know, I just found them and we hunkered down together and you get used to it. The sirens go, it stops and you have about 10 seconds and then you'll hear, you can often hear the missile, you can hear the Iron Dome. And then you hear the when you hear the explosion of the Iron Dome hitting the missile, it's a relief because, you know, it's been intercepted. Heather Birkin, uh, VA nurse who traveled to Israel to 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 take care of the Israel, the people of Israel. I mean, such a great cause and so noble of your work. Um, When we come back, I want to talk about what people in America might not know. And some of the details that you shared with me when we talked initially about what's really happening there. When we return, it's 2.15 on WTMJ. Heather Poland-Birkin is in the studio with us. She is a nurse that traveled to Israel after October 7th. Uh, She is Jewish and has gone to Israel many times, but... This time was a little bit different. She was part of a humanitarian effort and sought to give medical attention to the people 
in Israel. Can you describe the mood of the people when you got there? Um, I think it's heavy. It's heavy. And I think it's because it was such a personal attack. Um, it was against, you know, civilians who are in their homes. Most of the people bordering around uh, the Gaza borders were people who weren't afraid to live there. There were a lot of peace activists, a lot of people who were engaged uh, as much as they could be with, you know, the Gazan population, people who had work permits from Gaza to come and work mm-hmm. in Israeli businesses. There were people who would drive regularly children from Gaza into Israeli hospitals who was getting treatment in hospitals. I mean, ironically, some of those people are now some of the hostages within Gaza. But I mean, the people who were fighting for better lives for people who live in Gaza. Well, I would think that it would just be a a terrifying scene. But when everybody's pulling together, can you talk about the volunteer effort and the way that the country is really pulling together and moving forward, especially when they've deployed so many troops and this is a war zone now. Yeah, I think what I heard a lot of people say is, oh, the government's not working now. You know, they're focused on a war and the civilians really took it upon themselves to um, help manage some of the other things that needed to happen, like managing the all of the communities that were displaced around the Gaza border, there were lots of communities displaced around the Lebanon border because there's also, you know, missiles coming from Lebanon, from Hezbollah in Lebanon. So the middle of the country really has housed all of these displaced communities. Some of them are in hotels. Some of them are staying with families. Some are staying in empty rentals that, you know, Israelis are giving to people who are displaced. And the country really has come together to help people who are, you know, suffering financial consequences because of the war. Maybe they have farms and they lost all their international workers. There was a big movement of uh, getting people to volunteer and work in the fields uh, to pick the fruit or produce that was otherwise just going to rot to help save livelihoods for the farmers. I, there's a lot of people who are helping with the children that were from the South and saw a lot of brutality and whose parents are really not able to, you know, even pull it together themselves because of things that they witnessed. Um, so I have a cousin who is working on a building a curriculum for these kids that are living in hotels and helping them deal with the trauma, you know, that they will be dealing with for the rest of their lives. So are these kids going to school? Are people going to work? What is the the state of affairs in the in the big cities and yeah i think in the center of the country like around tel aviv you're still getting missiles there but around and even a little bit north of tel aviv there's a little bit of a cushion you get missiles not as many people are starting to go back to work but so many people have been called in through the reserves for the military you know there's a con- uh, conscription military where everyone from ages like 18 to 20 for girls 18 to 21 for boys are in the military and a mandatory reserve period. So, so many people have been called uh, back to the army or the military. So people are going back to work, but it's not normal because there's a lot of people missing. I mean, there are a lot of people who were affected, either had loved ones who were killed, loved ones who are hostages, loved ones that are injured. It's a small country. So I think when they talked about, like, statistically, it would be like 10, 10 9-11s for us with the amount of people that were killed, you know, and the population of Israel. 
So from a geographic standpoint, the size of the territory that we're talking about, the area, what what would you compare it to this? I don't know. I, mean, I heard it would fit into like Rhode Island. I mean, it's pretty small. In certain areas of Israel, you can, you know, it's it's like nine, ten miles to hit from uh, certain, you know, Palestinian Arab areas to the Mediterranean Sea. And certainly, you know, I, the, my last day there, I was taking time to just visit some friends, and I drove from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem to Haifa, back to Tel Aviv. It's just easy to do. It's a small country. It's like it's a shorter trip than for me to drive from Milwaukee to Chicago. So it's a small area. So what surprised you most about your time there? You were there for three weeks, going with the intention of yeah. of providing medical services, ended up teaching kids and, and doing all sorts of other things. What surprised you most? I think what surprised me is just the resiliency of the Israeli people. I think they took a week to just be stunned and shocked and mourn, uh, and that is ongoing. But I think that they needed to rally and take care of each other. And so um, just making sure that, you know, the volunteerism in the country is something I've never experienced before. I've never seen it in Israel. I've never seen anything like that Um you know, in my own country, where really the entire nation is circling the wagon around each other and trying to do what they need to do to help people mentally deal with what's going on um, and help, you know, the country survive this. Heather Poland Birkin, a VA nurse with Milwaukee who traveled to Israel. When we come back, I want to ask you a very important question about what gives you hope and what can we do? It's 224 on WTMJ. Welcome back on WTMJ. Tracy Johnson in for Jeff Wagner. 227 right here at the Avenue. We're almost done with the show. All right, Erin. We have in studio with us Heather Poland-Birkin. She is a nurse with the Milwaukee VA, and she traveled to Israel recently. We're talking about what she saw, what she experienced, what the expectations were, and did they line up with what she really did. So I ask you this question before the break. As you come back to the United States, what gives you hope right now about what's happening over there? You know, it, that's a tough question. I really had to think about it. I think, you know, I have faith that Israel is a strong country, uh, that they will survive this because there is no other option. And so I, I do think that Israel will prevail and they will continue to make their borders safe for their own population. What what gives me hope is that, you know, people now are looking a little bit more critically at the Middle East and just understanding the history. So it's frustrating because I think sometimes people might think they know the history from reading memes on Facebook or mm-hmm. looking at social media posts or a TikTok video. But what gives me hope is people who really want to understand the history there and understand the state of Israel and that it is legitimate and it's not going anywhere and it's an important country and democracy in that region. And so it gives me hope, too, now that there's been a you know a spotlight and at least people can learn a little bit more and understand. No, I, I think that that's great. And I think I've had my eyes opened as well, obviously, learning through the, the horrible tragedy of you know, what happened on October 7th. There's a lot of great information, a lot of great podcasts, people like you who come on and share their stories about the experiences over in Israel. So would you go back? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm already planning when I'll go back next. Um, I, I, I didn't want to come home. Yeah, I was a little bit concerned because I was watching the news in the U.S. and I was seeing the rise in anti-Semitism and, you know, acts of violence or just maliciousness against the Jewish community. It's not really something I've experienced very much. I grew up in the North Shore of Milwaukee. We have a pretty vibrant, mm-hmm. big Jewish community. Um, so I was, and I certainly have been vocal, and this isn't the first interview I've done about my time in Israel. So I was a little bit nervous, and there have been stories. There was the um, woman who worked at a synagogue in Detroit who someone entered her home and killed her. So a little bit worried about just being vocal and um, and making myself a target. So uh, that was a little bit, I was a little bit leery coming back from Israel, and I felt comfortable. I thought, ironically, I'm in a war zone, but I feel more comfortable being Jewish there. Oh, my gosh. That is... that. Is- that's a horrible thing. I know it sounds, it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. Well, and I just appreciate your courage to come on. And, and what I appreciate about every conversation that we've had, including this one here today, is that you are just focused on doing good work and helping the people, helping people, which is that's what nurses do. And that's what you do for uh, your home country, for Israel, for, for, for everyone. So I just appreciate your work. And I think you have a lot of support um, on the text line as well. So one final question, and that is, what can we do? What can other individuals who want to learn more or help the effort do with regard to what's happening in Israel? Well, I think for one is what I'm encouraging people is to have conversations, have conversation with their friends, have conversation with their Jewish friends. I think the Jewish community for one as a whole feels a little unsafe and worried. Um, so I think also reaching out to your Jewish friends, checking in with them, you know, and also, you know, I certainly have strong feelings about Israel, but what I encourage people to do is ask questions, ask questions, talk to their friends who might be more knowledgeable about the area um, challenge them, uh, read different sources of information. Mm-hmm. Don't only, you know, don't go to an echo chamber where you're only hearing, you know, uh, potentially one part of the conflict. And, you know, I feel, I feel like every time I go to Israel, I learn a little bit more and understand a little bit more of the history. And it just also makes me confident in, in understanding the importance of having a strong Israel. So I would say just, you know, educating yourself. Well, and shouldn't we all? And I yeah. love that 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 concept of looking at different sources, because too often we do just go to one source and just assume that it's right. One final question, and this is a fun one. Yeah. So we connected on this uh, this running, the topic right, of running. Yeah. You are a marathoner. Right. And yeah. if just from meeting you and talking to you, I, I completely believe it. You are <laughs> determined. You, I mean, because running, in my mind, is a mental sport. It yeah. is, I, I mean, I've seen people who are disabled run marathons. I've seen people who are not physically. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely it, right. It's a mental game. You've run 50 marathons? Uh, like 70. Like 70? Oh, my God. Yeah. See, I think I'm a runner, and I just run like five miles a day. But you run 70 marathons. Yeah, I say I do it. I don't do it well, but oh. I do do it. Oh, my God. That is so much admiration right here. And you've done a 50K. Yeah. Yeah, I have with my dog. I did the 50K with my dog. Oh, my God. So I almost don't believe that the dog could run 50K. <laughs> yeah, he did. I had Gatorade and he had chicken soup. Oh, my God. That's so great. Heather Poland-Birkin, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, and thank you for all your information, your insights, and your courage. 
uh, and looking forward to hearing more about when you go back and hopefully those are safe travels. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. 233 on WTMJ. I'm Tracy Johnson in for Jeff Wagner.